Hi guys, this is Erica Weston with Fox Sports Midwest, and you're listening to my favorite St. Louis Blues hockey podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. Hi there, everyone. I'm Haley Wickenheiser, and this is Let's Go Blues Radio, past to the future. I need one win. What are you going to do to get me that? Selfish hockey. That's right. Selfish hockey. Break it down. Skate the puck. Don't pass it. Headman's still going to be there when you catch up, boy. Take it coast to coast. Shots from poor angles are still shots. Fuck and a half, two minute shifts, three minutes even. Cruise the blue line to catch your breath. Bad bounce, that's a good breakaway. Gotta get the bounces, boys. This is Let's Go Blues Radio, Season 8, Episode 72, Franchise Episode All-Time, Number 258. And I am your host, Jeff Ponder. Uh, Kirk Price and Bill Day, parts of the show, are not with me these episodes. If this is your first time listening to Past to the Future, uh, thank you to Erica Weston, Haley Wickenheiser, and uh, everyone who has helped make this uh this a possibility because i know that uh during this break it would have been easy for me to just not do anything but uh with the help of some some good people in the industry we've been able to keep going so uh, we'll get to the people that are helping me in this episode uh one being a former blues defenseman and another one uh somebody that you have heard from many times here on past to the future so of course at the top just like always i want to thank julio cesar in Brazil. Make sure you check out his YouTube channel. Uh, you can find it on the YouTube uh, page for this episode. So every episode that uh, we post uh, gets a video added with it as well. So you can see a video of me talking to today's uh, past guest, which is the former Blues defenseman. And uh, you can also find it on the show page over at letsgoblues.com slash radio. Every episode that's posted, find that link. Uh, Julio's got some cool stuff on his page and uh, obviously he's the one that's doing the music in the background here at the very open and uh, for those of you who watch the videos in the end as well and also make sure you check out the videos on Facebook so those full Facebook videos are being posted now uh, so what you'd find on YouTube you can find on Facebook so just another option for you to check out the show check out any video that might accompany uh, some of our uh, episodes plus anything we might do in the future which might uh Include some video. Some more on that in the future. There's some things coming up here that I know uh, Kurt, Bill, and I have talked about doing. Well, uh, right off the bat, I, I want to mention the Stanley Ponder Cup Memorial Tournament. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. I think it was on our live uh, last live show. Right now, we are still tentatively scheduled for November 21st, starting at 2 o'clock uh, at Midwest Sport Hockey, which is the roller rink inside uh, Queenie Park. So again, uh, this is uh, for anyone who might be new to the show, might have never heard me talk about this before, which I find surprising if you have heard the show. Uh, it's a tournament in honor of my father. This is the sixth annual. Uh, he passed away from uh, leukemia, um, uh, mild dysplasia, and, and myelofibrosis. Uh, and uh, we typically give to the organizations that uh, almost helped him beat the problems he had, but uh, this year, because of the whole COVID-19 outbreak, 
We have decided, because the rink has been so good to us over the years, we've had it there, I think, since the third annual, and they've always given us a great deal. Uh, we are actually going to be giving all proceeds back to the rink, uh, Midwest Sport Hockey. So that's actually owned by former Blue Perry Turnbull, and anyone who's played there knows that uh, it's you know it's a hockey community. We're small. We uh, we all know each other. We're all friends. So um, yeah, it's it's a good reason to support a hockey uh, rink in the area that uh, that I know a lot of people. Uh, we had Phil McCray on. He talked about how he's played there before. So uh, this goes back to support Midwest sport hockey. Uh, big announcement is that the player signups will begin. Well, it's Wednesday, July 1st, but I'm guessing by the time you hear this, uh, 10 a.m. will have already passed, and that's, that's 10 a.m. Central Daylight Time. So player signups have begun, basically, if you're listening to this episode. Wednesday, July 1st, 10 a.m., they go on. So you got to go over to dropinstl.com, click the menu option that says 2020 SPCMT, Stanley Ponder Cup Memorial Tournament, and scroll towards the bottom and click the Donate button, and then you also find the player questionnaire at the bottom, which if you're going to play, please fill that out. That gives us an idea of your skill level. It's individual signups, not team signups. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a great time if you're interested in playing. Even if you've never played roller hockey, we've had a couple people who have joined who never skated before. And, uh, you know, we just have a good time. You know, yeah, you want to win. You want to, um, you know, the, there's always a victor at the end of the night. But at the same time, we're all there for a good cause. And for this one, it's it's going to be a good cause for the rink. So if you've ever played at Midwest, it's a good way to give back uh, to them. And hopefully maybe down the road, help them make some improvements on the rink when they're needed. But, uh, yeah, make sure you join us. And, and, again, we'll have more to come on that. But we also welcome anybody to just come to this event. Again, November 21st is when it's slated. Uh, we uh, We typically have – raffles and and other things going on um and of course bad hockey for you to watch so uh bad hockey is still hockey that's the way i see it so uh remember that put that on your calendar stanley ponder cup memorial tournament november 21st midwest sport hockey well let's get to our guest for this episode jeff brown is my first guest and uh he's a name that uh i think kind of most blues fans know maybe you don't uh if you're a little younger but uh, Jeff Brown played in the uh, the late 80s, early 90s for the Blues and uh, was a heck of an offensive defenseman. Still holds the record, which we talk about, uh, a couple Blues records actually, for uh, points and goals from defensemen. So uh, that's impressive considering the years that Al McKinnis, Chris Pronger, Alex Petrangelo, all those guys have had since then, and he still holds these records. So Jeff Brown, one heck of a hockey player. And after Jeff Brown, stick around for Greg Boyson of the Hockey Writers. You've heard his voice before, likely, if you've listened to any of the Past the Future episodes. He's a credentialed writer for the AHLs, Chicago Wolves, and Rockford Ice Hogs. Uh, we talk about prospect defenseman Mitch Ranke, who you may remember uh, had a little cup of coffee with the Blues already. We talk about him and his... Uh, uh, future career prospect in terms of uh, is he an NHL defenseman? Is he an AHL defenseman? And uh, where does he fit in the Blues' depth chart? But first, let's get to our past guest, Mr. Jeff Brown. And we are back with the past portion of Let's Go Blues Radio, Past the Future. Today I am joined by a, uh, uh, a man who coached the Missouri River Otters and the St. Louis Bandits. His son, Logan, plays for the Ottawa Senators. 
And if I'm, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe, Jeff Brown, you played in the NHL as well. Is that correct? couple games, had a cup of coffee up there, yeah. <laughs> so in the NHL, you played uh, for Quebec, St. Louis, Vancouver, the Hartford Carolina organization, Toronto, and Washington. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much for joining the show, and um, I, I really uh, hope you and your family have been safe and well during this quarantine. It would have been short for you to name the teams I didn't play for, but yeah, uh, yeah no, it would be great. Um, we, uh, we've all been hunkered down here in Chesterfield and, uh, it's been actually kind of cool, uh, you know, having back in the house and, uh, you know, at older ages now, as opposed to, you know, when they were younger. So it's, uh, it's been fun. It's, it's been great having everybody back together. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, having Logan back in the house and as well as the, um, you know, the wife and the family, it's probably like the old days back when you were in your playing days. Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, my kids, other than my daughter, really never got to see me play. So uh, Logan was born in 98, and that's the year I was uh, I retired. Uh, Caden was in 03, and then Jenna was in 94, so she doesn't really remember either. So, um, yeah, but, uh, but for sure, uh, when uh, all these hockey guys back in the house together, it's fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, well, I do remember your playing days, and, uh, and I will say that uh, – you know, as as an '85 kid, I uh, I kind of tried to model myself after your play as a defenseman. So uh, having you on the show is quite the delight for me. I've, I've told many stories on the show about watching you as a young man. So um, you know, I guess maybe Logan can't uh, can't speak for that because he never saw you actually play, but I can. And um, I don't know. I guess I never made the NHL. So I hope that's uh, not not a slight at you. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so Jeff, I wanted to talk to you, uh, mostly, well, we're going to talk mostly about your NHL career and I want to get started here about you getting, uh, drafted by the Quebec Nordiques second round 36th overall in 1984. Um, you did not make Quebec right away as, as most people know with defensemen, especially you don't jump right into the NHL typically, especially as a second round pick. Um, you kind of fluctuated a little bit back and forth between, uh, Quebec and a couple of, and, uh, the, the AHL team there. Um, so I wanted to ask you mostly, uh, when you first started in your career, uh, did you ever feel like you would be able to join the NHL? And uh, did you have doubts about your ability? Because, um, again, you know, you're a guy that, uh, that wasn't able to jump right into the league. No, I mean, that's, that's part of the uh, – uh, it's half the battle is confidence and, and understanding your game and understanding what you need to get, get to where you want to be. Um, I, I played some games as a 19-year-old. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, get called up from my junior team in Sudbury. Um, and so really, other than 20 games my first year, I was up uh, my, my entire career. Early, young, and knew what I needed to change. The, uh, the opportunity was there. I was very fortunate in Quebec. They had some incredible offensive forwards. Um, but they didn't have a, a guy to run the power play. And so that's kind of what I did my entire career. So I was very fortunate to be able to play with the likes of Michel Goulet and Peter Stastny, Joe Sackett, guys like that, uh, who were all forwards. Um, a lot of the time I, Joey Sackett played, uh, as my partner on the power play. So, um, you know, 
I was very blessed uh, throughout my career to be able to play with uh, power play guys that were as good as there was in in those eras. Yeah, and um, so obviously, again, in Quebec, playing with uh, a lot of the superstar players you just listed. Uh, but then uh, December 13th, 1989 was a big day for you, and I say that because that was the day you were traded to the St. Louis Blues uh, for Tony Herkus and Greg Millen. Before coming to St. Louis as a Blue, uh, what were your thoughts about St. Louis? Did you know anything about it, and had you played there before? No, I, I had uh, really... I, I didn't know anything about St. Louis, really. Uh, truthfully, growing up in Ottawa, uh, Ontario, you know, Middle America, you know, much the same, much the same as uh, people on the East Coast, West Coast. Uh, Middle America is a long way, and uh, didn't know anything about it. But uh, funny, funny story about that trade. Um, they uh, at the time I was, I had stayed home. The team was in Buffalo, I think, and. Uh, <laughs> Coach and I had a little Michelle Bergeron and I had a little bit of a, a spat and so he was kind of uh, leaving me at home uh, for the road trip and so I was out by myself well a couple of injured guys and we were shooting pucks at the Coliseum and St. Louis got there the day before and uh, they got to the rink and, and Greg Millen was standing beside Brian Sutter and said uh Wow, Sudzy, we could you sure use that guy on our power play because I was taking shots from the blue line, I guess. And uh, I can't remember, two weeks later, uh, they were in New York City, and Millsy uh, gets off the bus, and Brian says, I need to talk to you. <laughs> you no. just got traded for that power play guy. <laughs> he was none too happy. But anyways, um, yeah, no, it, it didn't know anything about St. Louis. Uh, it was uh, really – uh, a great movie of all the teams that you mentioned. It was the one place that uh, I was really upset when I got traded um, before to where it was, uh, you know, it was home. We made it home and uh, my daughter was born here and really thought I was going to start my career here and uh, was coming off an incredible year and, and the next thing I know, I'm going to Vancouver. So it was difficult because this really became home. And obviously, uh, you know, we're proof of that. We're, we live here full time now. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, And we're happy to have yeah, you. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, again, you've coached a, a, a lot here in St. Louis since you retired. And, um, you know, one of the proud alumni, I'm sure, because uh, alumni, many alumni call this home. So we're happy to have you. Uh, 1990, 1991, though, um, you uh, for the Blues – 59 points in 67 games, which is very impressive for a defenseman. Uh, you missed nearly a month with a broken ankle. Uh, Blues finished that year with 105 points. That was a hole and oats team. Uh, lost in the Norris final to Minnesota in six games, which was considered a big upset. Uh, do you think that was a team, and you know, you think back to the Vancouver team that made the Stanley Cup final that you were on. Was that one of the better teams you played for? Was that Blues team with 105 points? Yeah, you know, like it's for years before, you know, we won it all last year, you know, people who were in St. Louis were disappointed, as they should be. But at the same time, you know, with 30 teams, 31 teams, it's really hard to win. There's a lot of really good teams. And, you know, when I look back at all the good teams that I played for, that certainly ranks up there. But again, I mean, 
we were better than Minnesota. We should never lost to them. That was an upset, but you know, I, it, it was, they got a bounce. We didn't. And that's, that's all it is. I mean, you look back at the run that the blues had last year. I mean, you know, th- there's luck involved. There's being at the right place, right time. I'm not taking anything away from the guys that win. And certainly, uh, you know, teams that, that lose, I mean, they're right there. It's so close, such a uh, fracture or whatever it is. And so, you know, that year we certainly, I mean, they went on to play Pittsburgh in the finals and I'm convinced we would have given Pittsburgh a better run than they did. But, um, it, it, you know, it is what it is. We had, we had everything that year. We really did. And, uh, we just just came up a little short, and we really, you know, that whole early 90s, the time I was here, really, we had a chance to win almost every year. I thought that, you know, in 93, I guess it was, we had a really good team. We had good teams every year. I mean, we were all, you know, there's a lot of out of those teams in the early 90s that, uh, you know, went on to be Hall of Famers, and we're all playing in primes and getting into their primes, and it would have been fun to keep that group together for you know, five more years for sure. Oh, I think so. Yeah. And again, people look back at that, those teams and remember some of the the great names that were on there. And you look at 92, you made the NHL all-star game as a rep for the blues. Uh, and then 92, 93, you put up your best career numbers, career high, 25 goals and 78 points in 71 games. And remember folks, again, this is a defenseman we're talking about. So, that was uh, that set a single season Blues record for goals and points. Uh, closest to ever come to that was Al McInnes in points with sixty eight points a couple of years later, and then goals twenty goals for Al McInnes. Uh, so again, twenty five goals, seventy eight points. What do you attribute so much of your success to, especially that one season offensively? No, Brad Hall for sure. Uh, in my opinion. You know, obviously, back in those days, he was the best pure goal scorer in the game. And certainly, I believe that the best pure goal scorer of all time. I mean, the stuff that he did through the years, um, he could just one-time everything, uh, no matter what I fired over to him. You know, he one-time stuff under the bar. He was always ready to shoot. Just just a pure goal scorer. And obviously, his, his playmaking ability, you know, because he was such a good scorer, sometimes went unnoticed. But um, the times where they were in Hully and, and, you know, other guys were wide open and he'd fake shot and slide it over or whatever it was. So I attributed a lot of my success uh, single to him. Uh, um, but we just had an incredible power play and unselfishness. Guys that had their head up and smart. We had front net, uh, net front presence. We had, you know, brains around the outside of the umbrella and we just moved it around good. But we had a good overall team and um, it was just, that was a real fun team to be a part of. I, uh, you know, that, that obviously was my best year. I missed, I don't know, nine or 10 games with a broken ankle that year too. I really, you know, injuries really slowed me through my career, but if I could have played those extra 10 games, um, it really would have been, obviously it was a memorable year, but, uh, but really a, a special individual year for me. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and so again, you had a, a lot of, of personal achievements in St. Louis, but unfortunately, as you mentioned earlier, uh, traded in 1994 to Vancouver, uh, for the rights to Craig Janney along with Brett Hedekin and Nathan Lafayette. Um, I mean, again, I, I remember seeing you on the news the night you were traded and, uh, just being heartbroken, not wanting to leave. Um, did you ever think that, uh, 
you'd return to St. Louis in some capacity or um, was it just, okay, I just got to pick myself up and move on? Well, I mean, a professional, you got to go and that's part of the, the thing that sucks in this sport is uh, you're a number and, and that's really the way I felt, uh, you know, again, like I said, I was coming off some pretty good years and, uh, you know, we just didn't get over the hump in the playoffs and I'm convinced if we would have, uh, you know, maybe the, those teams would have got broke, but, uh, it was, it what it is. And I was, like you said, it was the only place that I was extremely upset to move from, um, but I always had a special place for people in St. Louis and you know, the blues and, you know, you, you move on and you go to other places and it always felt like it was home to me. Yeah. No, and, and again, that was a, a sad day for many of us to see you go, but you go on to the 94 team, the uh, lot when you were Vancouver and you lost to New York Rangers. Um, and then uh, again, you went to the Stanley cup final in 1998 with Washington, your final season in the NHL. Um, what was it, it like for you? I mean, was it something that, that you kept saying, I'm going to win a Stanley Cup before I retire? Or was it just that you were you were excited to get that as far as you did those two times? Well, I mean, that's our dream, eh, to hoist the Cup. I never got the opportunity to um, as a player. And it uh, was really close to 94. I'm convinced we were the better team. Uh, the Rangers were dynamite during the regular season, but uh, we had worn them down. We beat them easily in games five and six, and we went into Madison Square Garden and lost three to two. Nathan Lafayette hit the crossbar with five minutes to go. Uh, again, you know, we win. What many years would have been the Rangers not winning up then, you know, sort of thing. And there's no reason why we shouldn't have won. It's just, like I said, it's such a a bounce here or a call there or whatever it is, a post. Um, but really disappointing because we really felt, and, and ironically, um, you know, a little bit like the Blues, we did it a little later that year because we went into uh, the playoffs as the seventh seed and uh, played Calgary in the first round and we're down three games to one. And my wife was pregnant with Jenna and she's like, when are you going to be back? And I said, well, probably, not. <laughs> probably soon. We're down three to one to a pretty good team. And then we went on and won uh, three games in a row in overtime, games five, six, and seven. Uh, then beat uh, Dallas in five, Toronto in five. And we just, I mean, we just started dominating teams much the same as, as St. Louis did last year, living just over teams down. And we did the same with, with the Rangers in the finals. Like games five and six, we were just dominant. And we just couldn't get it done in game seven. It was really disappointing. But uh, anyways, it was uh, to play an entire career and get a couple chances. 98, you know what? Detroit was very better than Washington. So um, they were the best team. That that one doesn't hurt as much as uh, as the 94 year. Yeah, I can imagine. So again, you re- you retire after the ninety seven ninety eight season. Um, go into coaching uh, pretty quick. Well, not pretty quickly, but uh, went on the Missouri River Otters of the UHL. I'm sure many of the listeners of this show remember the River Otters. Uh, played there in the Family Arena in St. Charles. You joined during the 0506 season. Um, the River Otters did not make the playoffs that year. That was a rough year. But um, was that your first experience? Uh, coaching professional hockey and and uh, did it make you want to keep going forward and 
and, uh, you know, coach professionals. What happened there was uh, Mike Shanahan Jr. was the owner of the team, and uh, I had coached um, several minor hockey teams, the AAA team, and I was starting to coach my son's 98 team, and and, uh, and Mike called me at Christmas to say that he was letting Killer Kaminsky go and would I finish the season um, as the coach. And so that was really the only – I coached for a couple months there at the, at the finish of that season, but the team was already disbanding afterwards, and it was just more of a hold things together for, you know, that that level is not – you know, it's professional for sure, but it's a long way from the NHL. Um but it was fun to, to, to coach that level, to go from coaching minor hockey to, to jumping up to, to pro. It's still pro. A lot of guys still have the dream, and it was fun. Um, but then went back and just and stuck with the kids for, for a while longer until I started coaching junior. So, yeah, you move on to the St. Louis Bandits of the uh, NAHL. 2008-2009, you made your debut. debut. Uh, the Bandits went 42-9-7, and winning the South Division and the Robertson Cup. Um, and you coached there a couple more seasons till the Bandits left in 2013. Uh, what was that experience like coaching uh, uh, junior players and and uh, you know kind of getting to know the game from that level? Yeah, no, I I what I've done right four years there, two years in India, and then three years up in Ottawa. Junior hockey, it's fun. The kids are young and and full of you know, piss and vinegar for lack of a better word, but just guys that still like, they really want to get to the next level. So they're very attentive and they're pretty good level of hockey. So I really enjoyed that level. Um, you know, so it was fun. I mean, we won a championship that first year and, and, um, you know, a lot of on division one hockey and that's the stuff that you're most proud of as a coach is, uh, not only you know develops hockey players, but as young men, and, and you know show them the right act, uh, both on the ice, off the ice, uh, that kind of stuff. So uh, again, you mentioned uh, coaching in Indiana in the USHL, Ottawa 67s of the OHL. Um, you had a lot of success. Won the Clark Cup with Indiana in 1314. Uh, Ottawa 67s missed the playoffs. Then you joined, and in the first season, they made it back to the playoffs. Uh, even became head coach and GM in summer of 2015. But uh, just a couple of years later, you uh, ended up resigning. And I wanted to ask you, um, is is coaching still going to be in your future? Or uh, do you think that uh, you're, you've, you've hung up your coaching whistle for the time being? The Ottawa, the Ottawa move is, uh, you know, a, a team that was, uh, well, horrible. Um <laughs> Not not only horrible on the ice, but horrible uh, uh, as far as draft picks and everything going forward. It was just a – they were in, in rough shape, and it was uh, something where I came – there's the dogs. Um, <laughs> that's, that's okay. It was something where I came in, and it was – you know, it was my hometown. Mom and dad were still alive. It was it was more of a – you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great coaching decision uh, – uh, professional decision. It was more of a family decision to be back home with mom and dad and all that kind of stuff. But for for that team to have success, I had to gut it and bring in a whole bunch of young guys and get a whole bunch of draft picks. And I think you've seen in the last couple of years, all those young guys, the 15, 16 year olds became 19, 20, and now they're having their success. And I just, truthfully, I'm, I'm, I've 
moved to the States. Um, I'm an American now. I'm still a Canadian, but you know, my, my family was anxious to get back to St. Louis and, and we just, it, I just couldn't stick around long enough to, to see it all pan out, I guess is the point. Um, but do, do I want to continue to coach? I, I would think long enough where I would go the next time. Like that was more of a heart decision than a brain decision. And, uh, if I got an opportunity, it would be uh, strictly a professional decision as opposed to, you know, pulling at my heartstrings. Okay. Yeah. Good. No, like I said, I mean, looking at some of the numbers that you put up as a coach, it's uh, quite impressive. And I remember uh, you taking over the river otters. It was a very exciting thing for uh, us because uh, I was somebody who went to a lot of the river otters games. I grew up in St. Charles. So um, yeah, when I saw you leave coaching and I was like, man, that, that guy's got some some great numbers, some great history as a coach. So, um, but now you're you're with the uh, the AAA Blues. What's uh, what's that like? How is that different for you than um, than you're coaching the junior kids? No, I'm not coaching the AAA Blues anymore. I coached uh, when we first moved back here a couple years ago. I coached my for a couple years, uh, but last year. Uh, I wasn't a coach at the AAA level. I mean, I, I've been there, done that for since 2000, basically, when I first moved back. I coached the 88s, I coached the 89s, I coached the 97s, the 98s, um, and then the 03s. So I've kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> I've had my fill of minor hockey. Uh, my kids have kind of moved on. Um, that's not as to say that I don't like to help out once in a while and, and get back on the ice and whatever, but... No, I'm uh, I'm strictly a dad now who uh, really enjoys watching hockey and and especially watching you know Logan professionally and then uh, Caden is at the U.S. Uh, NTDP in in Detroit. Um, he played on the U17 team last year. He'll be at the uh, U18 team um, this upcoming season. So that's exciting for me to have the ability to uh, to watch them play. So you mentioned Logan in the NHL for the uh, Ottawa Senators and then uh, Caden. Your younger son uh, still playing hockey as well and NHL hopeful. Um, when they kind of started making the jump to the next level and kept moving up, and it was obvious that Logan was probably good enough to make the NHL, were you more of the, okay, here's what you got to do to make the NHL as a former NHL player, or were you more like, uh, you sure you want to do this? I mean, what, what was your, uh, your, your mindset like when you see your sons uh, moving up the ranks? Well, I mean, listen, it's it's in our blood, right? Uh, right. It's exciting. It's uh, it's fun. It's but it's a hard, long road. I mean, uh, you know, do I feel like Logan should have been in the NHL uh, full time before now? Uh, yeah, obviously, it's frustrating, you know. But it's not easy. It's not always easy. And even though when you feel like things are uh, not uh, just. Uh, you got to battle through it and push and keep your confidence and, and keep battling and showing that you belong. And that's, that's, it's again, part of the, part of the battle is the confidence level is, you know, always being kind of beat down. You got to find a way to keep your confidence and keep going up. So um, no, I'm excited. I mean, I love the sport. It's the sport of hockey has given me everything. So, you know, for me, there's nothing really, else that I would want them to do. So hopefully uh, they have the passion. Well, I shouldn't say that. They do have the passion to be hockey players. Uh, um, 
you know, and hopefully they both achieve their, their dreams. So uh, if we could sit here and read NHL analysts tell us what the best part of Logan's game is, but I want to ask you as a father, uh, what is your favorite part of Logan's game uh, when he's playing for the Ottawa Senators? Well, I mean, it's his brain. It's the same thing that, you know, I had basically. He's uh, plays with his head up. He he makes guys around him better. Um, he's unselfish and he and he's ass off. I mean, he's six foot six and a half. Uh, so I w- I wouldn't want him to find if we we're you know putting together a track team, uh, especially a, tr- a printing team. Um, but uh, but he's a an intelligent, skilled hockey player that, uh, as a coach, uh, those are the guys that I love coaching. You know, uh, the guys that can make plays and certainly make the guys around them better. So uh, we talked about uh, you making the Stanley Cup Finals twice and obviously not getting to lift the cup, but I wanted to ask you, when the Blues won last season, uh, we asked Bernie Federico this, and he said that was the first time he ever touched the cup. Was that the same for you? Did you uh, get to touch the Stanley Cup and raise it over your head at all? Plenty of opportunity. I never did touch it. I uh, I don't know. It's just something that us hockey players, I guess, I I tell my boys that the, the first time I touch it is when one of them win it. So um, that's kind of my uh, – I didn't want to – you know, I didn't, I didn't do anything last year other than cheer, right? Yeah, um, right. Same so. as me. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't earn anything, um, but I certainly enjoyed uh, being a part of the, you know, the festivities, the parade for sure. You know, I was straight of management to um, allow the alumni to be a part of that. That was something uh, very, very memorable. Yes, I, I agree. Now, uh, now, Jeff, I, I really want to appreciate you for coming on uh, today's show. And um, I've told this story before, but I'm going to and I know I've even told you before, but this was years ago. I actually attribute, and I mentioned myself personally, um, modeling my game after you, and a big part of that was because when I was a young kid, I was a huge Cardinals fan, didn't care about hockey, which drove my dad nuts. And uh, we saw you, my mom took me to a venture, and you were signing autographs. And I um, I was like, nah, we don't need to meet him, Mom. And she goes, no, 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 let's just, let's just go meet him. Go meet this guy. So we went up and met you. I was wearing all Cardinals gear and you were, you were asking if I was a blues fan. And I said, no, you actually got me tickets to the next game that the next night, my dad took me, uh, Brett Hall scored a hat trick. You guys beat the Canadians and I was hooked for life. So I actually attribute my hockey love a lot to what you did. So, uh, just wanted to tell you in person and, and say thank you again, because without hockey, I don't know where I'd be in my life. <laughs> What a great story. That's awesome. Um, yeah. That's, that's so cool. But, uh, no, there really isn't any sport like hockey. And, uh, like I said, it's given me everything. And, and the fans of St. Louis were, the, you know, the people of St. Louis were the reason we ended up coming back here. And, you know, we're we're happy to be here. And we'll be here for forever. Yep. That is Jeff Brown, uh, former St. Louis Blue and uh, – Again, coach for the Bandits, the River Otters, the Indiana Ice, Ottawa 67's father of Logan and Caden. Hopefully Caden will be in the NHL here very soon, maybe even playing for the Blues. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much for joining the show. And uh, again, we'll uh, we'll have to keep an eye on the boys because it seems like uh, they're destined for some greatness in the NHL. 
Thanks very much for having me. That was fun. Hey, listeners, this is Brandon Bullock. I know, I know, I'm a former Chicago Blackhawk, but I grew up in St. Charles, and I'm a St. Louis in at heart. My wife and I recently co-founded Dana Eve, a health and fitness company that offers convenient workouts for anyone, anytime, anywhere. My wife is also a former athlete. She played Division I college soccer and is now a certified personal trainer. Upon founding this business, we adopted the motto, you can change your life in less than 30 minutes a day. After years of constant wear and tear from her sport, Dana developed her own method of training, the DE method, which was designed to go where you go. Using your own body weight along with our Anywhere Gym, Dana will help you achieve lasting fitness in mind, body, and spirit, whether on the move or in the comfort of your own home. Visit www.danaeve.com to start your free trial. That's D-A-N-N-A-H-E-V-E.com. And we are in the future segment of the... Let's Go Blues Radio, Pass to the Future. I am again joined by friend of the show, Greg Boyson of the Hockey Writers. Uh, he is a credentialed AHL writer with the Chicago Wolves and the Rockford Ice Hogs. Saw plenty of the San Antonio Rampage uh, this past couple seasons. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Mitch Ranke, Blues defenseman, uh, uh, defenseman prospect, I should say. Uh, but, uh, Greg, thank you very much for joining the show. Absolutely. You're getting tired of us now, aren't you? Well, no, you know, it's, it's more, I think I'm more worried about the blues fans uh, listening to a guy with a Chicago accent, come on and talk about their prospects. As long as you don't tell us that our pizza is crap, then uh, I think we're okay. Uh, I plead the fifth. (laughs) Good, good. Um, So Greg, uh, again, we're going to be talking about Mitch Ranke here, somebody you I'm sure you've seen plenty of. He has been in uh, San Antonio for two years, going to be probably joining the, the the Blues AHL affiliate next season in Springfield. We will see uh, how he does the training camp. But he was an undrafted free agent out of college. He's 24 years old out of Stillwater, Minnesota, uh, 5'11", 181 pounds, went to Michigan Tech, uh, really kind of a standout player there. Uh, Blues saw plenty of him, I guess, sent some scouts his way, signed with the Blues after just his sophomore season, and right after that, Blues fans may remember, he did appear in one game for the Blues right after signing uh, in 2017-2018. That was a big, I think it was a 6 nothing win against Arizona. Uh, but then he got sent back down to the AHL after that. Since then, he's been in San Antonio. Put up some pretty decent numbers for a de- uh, defenseman. 76 games played in 2018-19, 12 goals, 33 assists. And then this past season, 2019-20, 46 games played. Uh, five goals and 17 assists. Um, again, a guy who went undrafted, kind of a late bloomer. Um, what do you notice in Mitch Ranke's game? Do you is he a defensive defenseman? Is he an offensive stud? Um, what uh, makes him stand out there on the San Antonio roster? Well, he's obviously um, the thing that sticks out the best, most to him is his his skating and his puck moving ability. He's he's very good at getting the puck up the ice quickly. Uh, getting through the neutral zone, and of course, that's that's the name of the game in today's NHL is spending as less time uh, in the neutral zone as as physically possible. Um, as the game has evolved over the past few years, those puck moving defensemen become like gold. Um, I wouldn't call him a defensive wizard by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not terrible in his own end either. Um, he's a little bit on the undersized size uh, for defenseman again today's game that's not you know that's not a death sentence that's not a life sentence in the ahl just because you're under six feet tall we're seeing more and more 
smaller defensemen and forwards play. You know, if this was 1995, a 5'11 defenseman wouldn't have a, a prayer to get to the NHL, you know, unless you were Bobby Orr. Um, so um, he's got some work to do defensively, but he does uh, one thing while, you know, in his own zone that does jump off the page is his willingness to block shots. He's definitely not afraid to sacrifice a shin or a knee to, to prevent the, the puck from getting by. So um, I always love that out of when I'm watching the defenseman, um, you know, you can get caught out of position. You can, um, you know, read a play bad that happens, but man, if you're willing to just put your face in front of a slap shot, then you can play on my team. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, uh, I've played defense my whole life and I still, come across guys that'll dive in front of shots in men's league. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> Hey, you're, you're welcome on my team, but I am not doing that myself. I I've got a job tomorrow. <laughs> um, but uh, I wanted to ask you about, uh, first of all, are you a, are you a gamer by chance? Do you play NHL 20? Um, at a amateur level. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't do much of the online cause I don't feel like getting, uh, getting my butt kicked by a nine-year-old from Canada. Oh, yeah. I hear you. Um, don't worry. I'm going somewhere with this, folks. Um, so something they do, for those who don't know, is um, a lot of the, the player, well, every player in the game, has a top end kind of where they could be potential-wise. Um, even, you know, if we're like an NHL veteran, it'll say, you know, first-line sniper. Um, for a Mitch Ranky. What would you give him? There's a, I know there's a couple different. There's a fringe NHL defenseman. There's a fifth to sixth defenseman. There's an AHL top line defenseman. Um, where do you see the top end of his talent going? To be honest with you, I think um, you know. I don't know if a a long uh, NHL career is in in the cards for him. Um, just I think he's just got two. Too many factors against him. You know, he is a great sk skater, but, you know, he may be just a half a step too slow to to, to really make an impact in the NHL. Uh, but that's not saying he can't have a long um, – you know, one of my favorite defensemen who I get to see a lot, he's uh, in the Red Wings organization and plays for Grand Rapids, but he's been up and down in the, in the NHL, um, is, is Joe Hicketts. Um, and he's a small guy too, but man, he plays so hard. Um, he's not the offensive talent that, that Mitch has, but, um, he could be a guy like him, a guy that is probably going to be, you know, spend more time in his pro career in the AHL than the NHL, but he's going to be that guy that, um, you know, is the first guy up when you need a, when you need a third pairing guy to fill in for an injury, um, so I mean I don't I don't think there's any uh, Norris trophies in his future, but you know I think he's going to have a chance to play professional hockey for for a long time um, between both leagues. Um, Chris Butler comes to mind as somebody for once he left Calgary and came to St. Louis, guy who was kind of up and down a lot, um, played a lot of a lot up at first, but then the last couple of years uh, before retiring he. Uh, he was down in the AHL a lot. I thought I think he might have even been captain of the team. I can't remember for sure, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought. Maybe somewhere along those lines. I mean, he was a he was a guy the Blues would call up and say, "Okay, Chris Butler's up. That's not going to kill us. You know, he's not going to 
score three goals and play lights out defensive hockey, but he's not going to hurt us. And that's what you're looking for out of your uh, your third pairing defenseman. So that is good to know. Uh, is he physical at all? Is he a physical defenseman? Um, not particularly. No, I mean he doesn't go out looking. I mean he's he's like most hockey players, especially at defense. He's not going to shy away from a challenge, but he's not going out there looking to to run somebody through the boards. You know, he's not. He's not a bruiser by any any means. He's definitely more of an offense first type defenseman. Uh, he would rather um, use his his skating to to go around you than through you. Um, but um, you know he won't he won't back down by any by you know any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Uh, well, this was uh, very enlightening, I'm sure, for Blues fans. Thank you very much, Greg. Um, where can people find you on social media, and where can they uh, read your work? Uh, well, they can just uh, follow me on Twitter at Greg Boyson, B-O-Y-S-E-N. I'm very active over there, and you'll get uh, daily links to all my stuff over at thehockeywriters.com. I do the daily Today in Hockey History posts along with uh, – bunch of other stuff, including uh, their draft coverage. I've been doing some draft prospect profiles. So if you're we're reading up on that, we got a great crew over there uh, leading up to uh, this draft, whenever that may be. As I say, we're always looking for draft experts on the show. So uh, might, have to, might have to reach out to you even more and make you a best friend of the show. Well, expert might be stretching it, but, um, you know... <laughs> If if guy who re- who reads scouting reports is considered an expert, then I'm your guy. All right, that sounds good to me. That's that's more than I do. So <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining the show, Greg. All right, my pleasure. Well, I want to thank Jeff and Greg for coming on the show. Always good to have someone like Jeff Brown of his playing caliber and and just person caliber to come on and talk some hockey. Uh, as well as uh, Greg Boyson, a um, very knowledgeable hockey guy. So thank you to both of them for coming on. Uh, make sure you check out letsgoblues.com for uh, our shop and just the show page. So letsgoblues.com slash shop is where you can find shirts and stickers. And uh, I recommend you check that out regularly because Kurt is often adding stuff. Um, so make sure you check that out. He's, he's had some really good uh, designs come up lately. And then, of course, uh, the letsgoblues.com slash radio. You can find anything about the show over there. Any links that we may discuss uh, is always found on each show page. Uh, please subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen, as I said, over at letsgoblues.com slash radio. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating and leave a review. It helps people find the show. Twitter handles for the show. Uh, the show Twitter is at LGB Radio. Kirk Price is at Kirk Price. Bill Days at Blue Note. And Jeff Ponder, and myself, of course, is at JPonder94. Our next show is, as I say every week, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to have a live show or one of my interviews. Uh, and I'm hoping there's only a few of these left, right? Because uh, we're looking about a month that uh, the the games are going to start again. So we'll probably start doing our live shows again real soon. So we'll see uh, how many more of these Past the Future episodes we'll have. I know I've enjoyed them. I hope other people have as well. But uh, it'll be good to get back to some live hockey talk because that's all what we really want. We've all been waiting since March. So let's hope we can uh, get a conclusion to the season here. And, um, hey, you know, anything can happen in the playoffs. And I think we're all excited to see what the Blues can do. 
Well, that will conclude this episode. On behalf of Bill Day and Kurt Price, I'm your host, Jeff Ponder. And of course, let's go Blues. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. A look at sports. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. <laughs> Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues. Have you heard the news about us? St. Louis Blues. They've only just begun, they're on their way to number one. Now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The Blues are on the ice tonight again. They're up and tough and got the stuff to win. They'll always get one more, no matter what the score. They are quite a hockey team, my friend.